0: welcome to this episode of the greenville oaks message broadcast the mission of the greenville oaks church is to inspire people to follow jesus because we're convinced that following jesus is the best way of life possible find out more about greenville oaks at greenville and connect with us on social media we would love it if you could rate and review our podcast it makes it easier for others to find us and now on to this week's message with lead minister wade hodges Gathered in this space today. Hello also to those who are watching online. Those who are gathered here today in this place on this bitterly cold day, I declare to be the strong. (laughs) And to those of you who are watching from home, participating online, I declare to be the wise. (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? (laughs) Please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter one. Mark is the shortest of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them tell the story of Jesus's life, death, resurrection from different perspectives and with different emphases. Mark favors action. There are very few long speeches or sermons in Mark. Jesus seems to always be on the move in Mark. If Mark were a movie, it would be an action flick with quick cuts from scene to scene. One of Mark's favorite words is immediately. Shows up throughout the gospel. Just as one scene is coming to a close, he immediately launches into another. Gives you this breathless feeling as you're reading through it and watching the action. For example, watch how Mark describes what happens after Jesus is baptized. Mark chapter one, and we'll read the baptism scene which we read last week and then we'll just keep going. Mark chapter one, verse nine. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven speaking to Jesus, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once or immediately, in some translations, immediately the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. What did you do after your baptism? Did you get together with your family for a celebration? Did you enjoy a special meal together? Mine was a chili cheese burrito. That's what I had for lunch the Sunday I was baptized some 38 years ago. It was at Dairy Queen, because when you grow up in a small West Texas town, that's where you go when you have something big to celebrate. Jesus does not, after his baptism, pause to celebrate with his loved ones. He does not enjoy a special meal. Instead, he is sent, or actually in the original language, it's more like he is driven or thrown into the wilderness where he is tempted or tested. It can be translated either way. I actually prefer tested by Satan, which means the adversary. And true to form, Mark's account of what happens to Jesus in the wilderness is much shorter than Matthew's or Luke's. Rather than jumping over there, though, to fill in the gaps, today let's stay with Mark, see what he has to say. Because Mark tells the story the way he does for a reason. Now, because we've read those other accounts, we can't help but notice what Mark doesn't include. He doesn't tell us the nature of the tests that the adversary presents to Jesus. We don't know what kind of tests they were. If Mark were the only gospel we had, we would know nothing of Jesus' interaction with Satan in the wilderness. Mark also doesn't tell us the outcome of the test. Do you notice that? The only real clue we have later on in Mark is when Jesus begins his ministry, he has absolute authority over demons and evil spirits. It gives us the assumption or leaves us with the impression that in the wilderness, Jesus bound the strong man, he bound the adversary, and now in his ministry, he's free to plunder the strong man, the adversary's house. But today, I'm really not interested in what Mark leaves out. I'm more interested in the details he chooses to include. One of them is that while Jesus is in the wilderness, he's tested for 40 days. And that number embedded in that phrase, tested in the wilderness, ought to ring a bell if you're familiar with the Exodus story in the Hebrew scriptures. It's after Israel crosses the Red Sea, comes out of the water, they enter the wilderness where they are tested for how long? Not days, but 40 years. And Deuteronomy 8 speaks to how the time of testing was a way for God to assess the character of his people, to see how they would withstand the temptations or the testing in the wilderness. For those of you who've read the story or at least watched the movie, how would you evaluate Israel's performance in the wilderness? Thumbs up, thumbs down, so-so it's a double thumbs down, isn't it? It goes horribly for the people of God in the wilderness. They give in to every test or every temptation presented to them. They fail. And so when Mark shows us how Jesus immediately moves from water, Red Sea, into the wilderness to be tested, he's connecting Jesus' story with Israel's story. And if Israel failed miserably in the wilderness. The hope is that Jesus, the Messiah, Israel's representative, will succeed. But again, Mark does not tell us what happens with the tests, he doesn't tell us the outcome. But by emphasizing how Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness to be tested by Satan, the adversary, he does give us a clue about the nature of Jesus's mission. Because after Jesus is affirmed as the son of God and anointed with the Holy Spirit, he is driven by that same spirit into the wilderness to face Satan to do battle with Satan. God's adversary. And Jesus doesn't take time to celebrate his baptism because there is no time to waste. This is urgent. Jesus, the hero of the story, has a mission, a task. And it requires him to go into a scary place and face a dragon from the very beginning. Jesus knows, and now we as readers know, that his mission as the Son of God is never going to be easy. It is going to be hard, always. The path set before Jesus is fraught with obstacles, and he will face opposition every step Of the way. One of my favorite motivational books is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I return to it time and time again. It's a book about creativity. More specifically, it's about the obstacles that people face that keeps them from creating and doing important work for the good of the world. And Pressfield gives a name to these obstacles that keep us from doing life-changing, world-changing work. He calls it resistance. And this is what he means by resistance. He says, most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands Resistance, have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark on a spiritual practice, dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling or commit your life to the service of others? Late at night, have you experienced the vision of the person you might become, the work you could accomplish, the realized being you were meant to be? As a writer, are you a writer who doesn't write? A painter who doesn't paint? An entrepreneur who never starts a venture? Then you know what resistance is. To yield to resistance deforms our spirit. It stunts us and makes us less than we are and were born to be. If you believe in God, and I do, you must declare resistance evil for it prevents us from achieving the life God intended. I wonder if anyone here in this room or anyone watching online has ever experienced resistance. That space, that gap, that wilderness between the life you're living now and the one you sense God is calling you, to live. Pressfield doesn't write from a Christian perspective. But the way he describes resistance and the way it works to keep us from doing the good that God calls us to do sounds a lot like the way Satan works in Scripture. Opposing every good thing God's people intend and attempt to to do. Pressfield says, as a general rule, the more important your work, the higher your calling, the more resistance you will face while pursuing it. If you're working in Calcutta for the Mother Teresa Foundation and you're contemplating leaving to launch a career as a telemarketer, Pressfield says, relax. Resistance will leave you alone. It'll give you a free pass. But if you set your heart on doing something good, something important, something the world desperately needs you to bring into being, something that is essential to your development as a human being or your growth as a disciple of Christ, then prepare for the wilderness. Prepare to go into the wilderness and face, resistance. Because this is how resistance works. Imagine you go see your doctor and your doctor tells you that if you don't lose some weight, you're going to die way too soon. And then you go home to your family and you enlist their help in launching a new way of life. You clean out all the junk food from the pantry and you go to the grocery store and you buy all the healthy food for your new lifestyle. The next day, you bring a healthy lunch to work with you. It's grilled chicken on a bed of something green and leafy and on that first day of your new life i can guarantee you what is going to happen a coworker who is satan in disguise <laughs> is going to bring your favorite dessert to the office for everyone to share. Isn't this how life, isn't this how resistance, isn't this how the devil works in our lives? Now, of course, Jesus' time in the wilderness is eternally, cosmically, uniquely significant, but doesn't it also have the ring of everyday truth to it? As soon as Jesus is identified as the Son of God and given a special mission, anointed by the Spirit, he immediately faces some serious resistance. And even when he comes out of the wilderness and launches his ministry, he continues to face resistance in every form imaginable. Jesus is opposed by his friends and family by his disciples, well-meaning as they are, by the crowds who follow him. They get in his way. They would hijack his mission. He's opposed by religious leaders, those who should know better. He's opposed by nature. Storms arise to prevent him from going where he needs to go. He's He's opposed by the forces of evil. He is tested, questioned, resisted every Step on the way to the cross because if it's good it will be opposed if it is of God the adversary will rise to meet it and the more important the work the stronger the resistance as we attempt to do it and by now this should not come as a surprise How many of your New Year's resolutions, your goals, your aspirations have you already set aside 14 days in? Not because they turned out to be bad for you, but because they were so good for you and maybe so good for others that you were unprepared for the resistance you would face for daring to bring something good into the world. There's no magic trick or secret formula to overcoming resistance, except to be prepared for it, to not give in or give up when it comes. Hang on. And it's those who, who think they're too special, too loved by God, too full of the Spirit to ever really be opposed. They're the ones who are the most easily overwhelmed by their trials in the wilderness. And how could this be happening to me? My father in heaven said he loved me. Said he was proud of me. I thought I was special. Why is everything so hard? As sons and daughters of God and as followers of Christ, God has something specific. Something good, something important, a mission, a task, a job for every single one of us to do. And while Jesus has done the heavy lifting for us, we all still have a role to play in this story. But before we can accomplish our mission, before we can accomplish whatever task God gives us, we, like Jesus, must go into the wilderness and battle with resistance. A couple of other details in this story that capture my imagination. One is that as Jesus is in the wilderness, Mark tells us that he is among the wild animals or the wild beasts. Mark is the only one who mentions the wild beasts. And there's a number of theories for why this might be. My favorite, or at least the most intriguing to me, is built on the assumption that Mark is writing to Christians in Rome who are being persecuted by Nero, or perhaps another evil emperor. Tacitus, a Roman historian, tells us that Nero would throw Christians into the arena where they would be torn to pieces by wild beasts. And perhaps Mark wants his original readers to know that Jesus, too, in the wilderness, was surrounded by wild beasts. And ultimately, he prevailed. Another detail is Mark tells us that as Jesus is among the wild beasts in the wilderness, he's attended by the angels. He's attended by angels. And the way he says it gives us the impression the angels are there the whole time while Jesus is in the wilderness. They're not protecting him from being tested. Just like later, they don't protect him from the cross. But perhaps there in the wilderness, they are reminding Jesus who he is and how much his father in heaven loves him. And maybe, 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 I don't know, maybe that's what gives Jesus strength in the wilderness and throughout his ministry. And could it be that Mark wants his original readers to see that when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tested, to do battle with Satan, to be surrounded by the wild beasts, he was never alone. And neither were they. And neither are we. There are many different kinds of wildernesses. Resistance takes many different forms. But when our Father sends his spirit filled children into the wilderness where the wild things are, He never sends us in alone. And he never sends us in first. Jesus goes before us. And following Jesus means we go into the wilderness too with Jesus. And the way into the wilderness with Jesus is also the way through the wilderness. And it's also the way out of the wilderness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for stories like this that invite us to not only appreciate Jesus' identity, his strength, his valor, his ability to do the hard things in life, but also gives us space to see ourselves in the same story. And it's our prayer today that as we walk through our wilderness, as we do battle with the forces of evil, as resistance keeps us from doing what you've called us to do and becoming the kind of people you long for us to be, we ask that you would give us the strength, the courage, and the faith we need to keep moving forward, to not give in, to not give up, Stay close to Jesus in the wilderness and trust Him to lead us out. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.